Hey, I'm Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Joseph. And I'm Steve. We're exploring a simple question. Why do people do what they do? Welcome to Working Title. Sure. Uh, appreciate you doing this, Tolik. The way we start things off is just simply asking a question this way. Uh, anytime you find yourself in a setting where there's awkward small talk, the inevitable question comes up of, of simply, what do you do? And so when you're faced with that, how, how do you answer that uh, briefly? Uh, usually my answer is that, uh, that I'm a ketogenic diet expert, and that's how I keep that's how I keep people away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good conversation conversation starter and ender. <laughs> so, so if you if you answered it with a um, a level of honesty, uh, how would you respond? Yeah, so I would say I would say that I'm I'm a writer. Um, I'm, I write comedy for a living. And I've been doing that for the past, I guess, 15 years. And uh, I'm, I'm writing for uh, Israeli television for um, multiple shows, actually. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my career, and that's something I really enjoy doing. And where are you based out of right now? Uh, right now, we, we live uh, in Herzliya, which is 20 minutes away from Tel Aviv. And, and uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, and most most of the writing projects that I'm involved with are more in Tel Aviv area. I guess if you think about it in the in the context of the U.S., you know every, everything is so far from one another. But in Israel, which is as you know, a very small country, uh, and uh, so yeah, so Herzliya is a city of its own, but it's 20 minutes away from Tel Aviv. So how big's the uh, the comedy scene there? Is that is there a lot of jobs to uh, to to have, or is it are you one of the one of the few? Um, it's a very small industry, and it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's a developing industry also. So let's say uh, twenty years ago, I would say there was like we 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 in Israel only had. Uh, one channel, like one and then two channels, and gradually now it's it's growing. There are more channels, there's cable, so, so that that creates more opportunities. And there's also new generation of stand-up comedians. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting time in Israel. So what like what kind of what kind of shows are we are we talking here? Like, is are these more like sitcoms or are they variety shows, uh, late night style type? talk shows uh what what type of stuff are you writing for well right now i'm involved with two shows one of them is a is a sitcom that that i'm developing uh something that i created with 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 my partner and uh the other show that i write for at the moment is a satirical show that uh the concept of the show is uh, the left wing versus the right wing so basically uh, three comedians from the left three comedians from the right, and they meet together and uh, discuss this week's politics, which is now very, very hectic in Israel because we have an election coming up in uh, one month from, from now. Well, and, and Netanyahu is 
potentially getting indicted on corruption charges. I just read that today. So is that a extremely that's hot topic? True. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, good on you. You're so up to date with Israel news. That's that's right. I, I don't know why I'm so happy about it. <laughs> you know, I'm extremely smart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? I said, you know, I'm extremely smart. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I am aware of that. You also, you also, I, I, I also promised Joseph I would say that. Um, <laughs> he asked me to say that on the podcast that he's incredibly smart. That means so much. <laughs> Is it what's as far as political humor then goes, you know, I guess, forgive my ignorance, but is it a welcome thing in, in the environment that you find yourself in? I mean, obviously, I don't know how it's hard not to be maybe well versed in American political humor right now with with it just dominating uh, so much of of the, the comedy scene in general. But is it something that uh, it, like as far as free speech goes and things like that, is there anything that you have to. Uh, watch out for that maybe you wouldn't necessarily have to over here? Uh, great question. We actually, on, on the first show that I wrote for in 2004, uh, we actually had a politician sue the show for some, for, for a joke that was, that, was said, that, that was said on the show. And so you always have to, I guess, what, what, I, I think I'm, I'm, I need to be more, more uh, um, knowledgeable about the law, and uh, I think I'm kind of in denial about it, about, about uh, uh, possible ramifications uh, uh, of jokes that I might write, uh, but I think I'm protected by some something. I don't know. I hope I am. I, I, <laughs> I was hoping this would be a nice podcast that we talk about comedy and stuff. Like, no, I have to design, yeah. Have you seen V for Vendetta? Because that's kind of what I'm picturing, uh, you know, after you write a, a, a certain sketch. Um, v for Vendetta, yes. That's, do, 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 do you picture me as the, as the comedian that goes out on a vengeance, or I'm the one that's being, uh, uh, being, being targeted by politicians? Well, I just remember... Uh, the talk show putting on a certain sketch that wasn't uh, that didn't make the leader too happy and it didn't end well for the it didn't end well for the comedian. Yeah, so that's exactly like that. So where did comedy begin? How did it uh, become part of your life? Um, well, it's the same as with ketogenic diet. You're unhappy with your body, and this is when good comedy begins. But. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm actually, uh, I, I, my, my family is pretty funny, uh, but it's also like a lot of my, I mean, my personal history. And uh, me and my family immigrated uh, from Russia uh, when I was seven. And I think that this experience of being uh, um, basically feeling like an alien in Israeli culture and uh, just, yeah, being an outsider, I think that, that's that's something that 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 really contributes to good comedy. Uh, I think uh, there's some somebody said like I can't recall right now who said it, but that uh, unhappy childhood equals great comedy, and I think that's that's really true. What, did you find yourself being the like class clown kind of thing, like that whole trope? Do you find did was that true of you? 
you know, it's very interesting. We, uh, me and my and my um, uh, uh, other writers and friends of mine, we always say that uh, the the that kid who is always the funniest in school is usually not the kid that would become a comedian or, or a comedy writer. Because yes. those guys are usually experts in cheap laughs. Um, <laughs> but the those that really the 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 Woody Allen's of the world are usually the ones that like keep keep those funny thoughts to themselves until they're they're in their twenties and they either commit suicide or they write about what they saw for the past thirty years of their life. <laughs> and I'm happy to belong to the second group. <laughs> So would you just uh, carry around a notebook uh, writing down why the, the the person trying to get shallow laughs was not funny then? Um, no, actually, I would I would I would just spend my time trying not to be bullied by them because um, <laughs> those are usually also the, the people that like I, they would use me as a target for the, for their laughs. But um, yeah. So I think it's usually like, in, in my opinion, like I'm maybe contrary to popular belief, I think comedy uh, is derived out of not just tragedy, but just also like having having a, a, um, a special look at the world, your insight. I mean, if you if if you look at shows in the U.S., I think uh, people like John Stewart, for example, that brought something so special and so unique, but it had to be them. It, it couldn't have been anybody else. If, um, and actually, historically, it's true. In, uh, the Daily Show, the, the Daily Show was actually hosted first by uh, somebody else. Then John Stewart came forth and brought his own DNA into it and shaped it in a way that nobody else could uh, w- without his input. I hope it's making. I'm, I'm, I'm making sense right now. No, that makes yeah. that makes total sense. Did Did you find that you you know you said that comedians I, I, that resonates with me that uh it was either going to be uh, they were either going to kill themselves or they were going to start writing comedy because they had to cope with it so did you find is that true of you that you felt that you were the the one that was trying to make sense of the world and comedy helped you do that i would hoping you would arrive at that conclusion and place me as that kid intellectual that had a very interesting look at the world. So yes, I, <laughs> I hope so. I mean, like, I, <laughs> it's hard to to to, to uh, uh, frame myself in that way. But but yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I think I think a lot of the times it's also that um, unique perspective is something that that just happens because of your own history and your own kind of frustrations with 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 what you see around you. Um, so yeah, I hope I'm, 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 I'm that person that I'm, that I'm describing. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about maybe the fine line between, you know, comedy being birthed out of either joy or pain. Uh, do you, do you think that, I mean, do you find, you've already alluded to it to some degree, but, um, is, is, is that is that where it comes from from you? Like, I mean, is there some that just is birthed from from joy, but then also uh, some pain, or is, is is it a combination of the two, or or where where does your material come from? That's an interesting question. I think um, I'm I'm not I'm I'm writing a sitcom right now, as I, as I mentioned before, and. Um, 
I, and that's something I always wanted to write because so far I've written for, for sitcoms that were created by, by, by other people, but I was really excited about writing my, my own show. And when I started to, I had this big fear that I wouldn't be able to write that kind of comedy. And fortunately enough, I found out, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm actually writing comedy quite well. The problem was I didn't know how to write drama. And the, the bad news for me was that there is no good comedy without good drama. So actually, I think both in whether it's satire or um, or, or even in sitcoms, uh, the 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 best comedy is derived out of or out of drama. Uh, out of our biggest fears, our biggest frustrations. If you look at um, let's let's let's. Uh, Let's look at, for example, Modern Family. Everything in Modern Family, uh, all of the relationships there are so well established, and everything rings so true. Whether it's, you know, uh, the, fr- the frustrations of of uh, of an older man who now marries a younger woman who also happens to be an immigrant, and he has um, so much. Uh, um, bitterness from from his uh, gay son who, who he has to address and at the same time also uh, 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 I hope you guys know the show because otherwise I'm just <laughs> um, but 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 he, so, so so much of it has to do with pure drama that if he, if, if we weren't handling it with with tools of comedy it would actually be very very difficult to sit there and watch it and I think that's that's really the the essence of comedy. Are you saying, in a sense, that it creates a, like an an easy? It, it allows for us to maybe uh, digest the the reality that we're experiencing because it like it creates a softness to it or um, a, a different layer that that helps us deal with with the reality that we're finding ourselves in. Yes. I think that both in drama and in comedy, uh, the reason we tune in to watch those shows is because uh, we want to see somebody else experience the hardships that we do and maybe having a better answer uh, and about how to deal with it. And this is why resolution in sitcoms is so important. Although it's, it, it, it often comes across as very cheesy, but still, this is something that, that, that the, um, um, psychologically, the reason that we, we love engaging with those shows so much is because it, it, it gives us relief and perspectives about, uh, about hardships that we go through in, in our own life. That's how I see it. What, you mentioned Modern Family, and yes, I, have, I do know the characters on that show. Are, are there other American shows that we might know that have been important for you that you want to model kind of what you your perspective is modeled after? Wow. Uh, I think I, I grew up watching so much television and it was such a big part of our life that uh, it really shaped me as a person as, and as a writer. Uh, even even show like, well, Moesha. No, I'm kidding. But Moesha <laughs> was actually a show that as a, as a kid I really used, used to love. Uh, Fresh Prince of the Lair, Seinfeld. Um, married with children, um, and, and you know the the the, the lighter sitcoms like Friends, 
And of course, Frazier was a big one for me, I think, uh, just because they, I think, and, and, and each one of those, uh, Frazier, for example, was, was one of the first um, shows that really, really was not afraid to push uh, um, intellectual dialogue. Um, and by even choosing to have two main characters that are very similar and um, and and like to, to really also if you look at Fraser, everything in the in the in the in the setting of the show has tons of drama. I mean, it's a it's a it's a son that is in the in the in the best times of his career has to now uh, bring in his father who is who can't live by himself anymore. And he has a very competitive relationship with his brother, and so everything about it is so tense and and so intense. And I just found, as a writer, um, that the, the tendency and that's really actually very common is for writers to try to escape that, to escape that um, those difficult relationships and 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 like. The complexity, especially when you like comedy and you and you and you wanna first push for the joke. Um, but uh, um, what I'm learning now, and it's actually been a process, is that like, no, just stay with it. Like, go for the mess. The lesson I'm 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 learning recently is that just forget about comedy, forget about comedy, and you'll like you'll get back to comedy later, and and you'll find the comedy. And you'll find what's funny there. But first, go to their relationship. Like, what moves the characters? What is their biggest fear? What is, the, is their biggest goal? What's their biggest frustration? What is um, um, what is the thing that they want? And we all have it in our families. Like that thing that we always want to say but we don't want to say because we are afraid that it will crush the other person or it would be incredibly rude. And then we actually feel. Uh, and and we we're, we're actually feeling sadness for ourselves for having to endure saying such a negative thing to a person that we love. Am I making any sense, or is it just all like who is this Middle Eastern guy saying all those things? <laughs> no, no, I think it yeah. makes total sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, did you was was that a uh, was that a family event for you when when you were your younger as a child watching these shows? Was it something that that you guys bonded over, or was it something that was an escape for you? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, I think sometimes it was a, a bonding experience, but oftentimes it was just me um, escaping my own reality because i i i I haven't heard a lot about my childhood, but let's just say it was very different from Moisha. <laughs> <laughs> um my childhood so now now I feel like it's a therapy session um, my childhood so like I said before i think i was i uh, I was born in the, in uh, the Soviet Union and um I immigrated with my, my family to Israel when I was seven, and so um, you know, all the all, uh, having to learn a new a new language, which is Hebrew, and, and I think you guys heard Hebrew. It sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that, that was a challenge, and uh, so yeah, so so I think like for me, if I'm trying to analyze where where is comedy and, and drama 
come uh, in my life, I would say it's, it's from that, um, that, experience, that experience of having to look at the world from the outside. And that's not something that just disappears. So if you're a kid and, 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 and you come in, it's not just you know, moving, which is often very traumatic. Uh, but it's 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 also that um, that reality of a, a living in a new place where like the culture is completely different. I mean, uh, both cultures are just. I mean, both cultures are very different from the U.S. culture, but they're also very different from one another. Everything in in, in uh, Russia is very very polite and very strict, and everything is so. Um, just it, there is order. Everything has to be in order, and Israel is, is the exact opposite of it. Everything in Israel is just very like like you, you, you like. I remember as a kid when because I started first grade in in uh, Russia, and if you want to be excused from class, you just have to raise your your hand and wait patiently until. The teacher addresses you, and then you call her by by her by her full name, which also has the name of her father, which you're supposed to know when you're seven, apparently. And and only when she lets you walk out, you just like I don't remember you salute or something. I I, I forgot already. <laughs> but that's kind of like the mentality in Russia. And then in Israel, it's just the teacher is a nobody. You just like do whatever you want. You just like you can like, throw things at him, and if he's and if he's a good man, he won't throw anything back. So that um, contrast between both both uh, uh, realities is something that I think I, I carry with me as an individual to to this day. And so you kind of you kind of yeah. felt like an outsider looking in, in a sense, in in most of your yeah. your settings. Is that is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's 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 a horrible thing for a person to experience. But the best thing for a comedian to have. Well, who was it? I, uh, maybe Joseph, you remember there was a comedian that said something along the lines of, "The minute that you start to feel comfortable at a party, you stop being funny." So basically, it's when you feel like you're part of the inside circle and you're accepted and you're part of the that inner inner sanctum, then then you lose your perspective and you stop stop being funny. Is that is that something that you would consider to be true? Absolutely. And now, now I just want to know who said it. I don't remember who it was, but uh, I, I do remember them saying it. I'm going to guess Seinfeld, but knowing that it's probably wrong. Oh, that is right. You're right. In, in that regard, I have to say, I always had a problem with Seinfeld because he, he, he doesn't strike me as... Like, he, he, he never seems like somebody who really suffered enough to be validated as a comedian. Not, I mean... That's me saying, and and the only people who know who I, who I am are you guys. But still, um, I am I I'm, I'm allowing myself to trash Seinfeld on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, he he talks about that. I think I I don't know if you saw the the David Letterman Netflix uh, series, but the last one Seinfeld interviewed David Letterman, and I believe it was in that setting that he talked about that that he doesn't buy into the fact that. That you, to be a good artist, you have to experience suffering, um, but but I definitely really? I think that he would be the minority in in that opinion. Interesting. Well, Interesting. that well, that would David did a lot, enough suffering for him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right, yes. Yeah, I mean he, but that I mean that comes out in his comedy. That's why his comedy is very observational. It's like, hey, what do you think about pants? It's like it's 
it's not <laughs> it, it's not hitting any kind i mean it definitely rings true not that he's not a great comedian but there's not uh there's not a ton of real deep life stuff that's coming out in his work it's so interesting because I see it a lot among uh, stand-up comedians in Israel. You have a lot of people that would do kind of like the same sort of routine where they would, where, where they would talk about their, they, uh, their relationships and their um, like experiences in the army. And you kind of get the feeling like it's not necessarily that, that they took the material from somebody else, but the, 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 that there is no unique DNA. Um, yeah. to, to what they're saying. And it's so it's so easy to spot the fake. Like one of the, um, and, and again, it, it, it all goes back to the drama, to the, like the core of who you are. And I think that even if we talk about Seinfeld, who is, of course, a great comedian, the reason he makes it work is that it's him. I mean, Seinfeld is genuinely frustrated with the fact that uh, his his iPad is not uh, uh, is not operating as as uh, I don't know. But when he talks about his iPad, you believe him that that's really something that that preoccupies him and 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 agitates him, and and it works for him. Now that's that's something very um, unique and also difficult about comedy. That sometimes if you take uh, a science of joke, and you give it to Chris Rock, it won't work, <laughs> and vice versa. Right. And and it's so and it's, yeah, and it's and it's and, and and it all goes back to that same, um, you know, question of believability and 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 honesty. And I think the best comedian, and and of course there's a there's a big phenomenon of comedians that are using other people's material, and I. I did. I, I I actually got up on stage only once in my life, and I don't plan to repeat it. But <laughs> I've spent my life fighting for others and seeing what they do with my material. So I think that that's one of the most difficult things to do, which is to take something that you didn't write and make it your own. It's kind of like acting, but it's not exactly. It, it's about more kind of connected to yourself and to you, your attitude, and then making that material like live through you, if it makes sense. Yeah. So how does that work for you then? And like, I, I think, you know, I definitely understand how that works as far as like a standup goes, but how does that work for you as a writer then? As you're writing jokes, are you picturing the specific actor delivering it? So you are writing for the character um, and like hoping that, that, you know, that character would be the only one that could deliver this material as opposed to, just in general, your voice uh, personally? It varies. Sometimes when I write, for example, for, for the, the, the political show that I write, I have certain kinds of jokes that I'm writing generally for anybody among the comedians that I work with. That, that they, I mean, they might take those jokes, but then there are certain kinds of jokes that only work for certain like for, for certain kinds of comedians, and I know it in advance, and I try to write it in their language, and I usually know uh, to guess, and, and, and I'm usually good at guessing that they would actually go for those jokes exactly. Yeah. Um, because Just because you know their voice already and their personalities and what they like, and, and again, what agitates them and what 
gets them going and who they want to make fun of. That's a big thing also. Um, so, yeah. That, do you think that, I mean, you mentioned Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld. Obviously, you have a pretty good understanding of American comedy. I remember when we were having dinner, uh, when you guys were in town a few, I don't even know how long that was ago, maybe a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I remember you spouting off 10 American comedians from, you know, 15, 20 years ago that you were obsessed with, that you know their work really well. What What's that like mm-hmm. as a, you know, a Russian immigrant to Israel listening as a kid or as a, you know, younger than you are now listening to Chris Rock? How did that make any sense to you? Because, of course, Chris Rock is very specific in his comedy and the material and to himself. Um, you're asking the question that actually is... Uh, thought about a lot, what I realized was that, you know, as a, as a kid, as a teenager, not knowing anything about uh, life in America and about, you know, racial tension and about so many, so, so much of the co- complexities of, 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 um, uh, of American society. And again, not to say that I'm an expert in anyone now, but uh, I think it may be something in me, in the Russian Jew in me, that arrived at, at a new place like Israel, where it's already run by, uh, uh, and I'm trying to be careful here, <laughs> but like it, 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 the society is already in place, and then I show up. And something about that kind of tension is something that I spotted in Chris Rock, mm. and like in other comedians, and I think we talked about it. I re- there's a lot of African-American comedians I, I love. Cat uh, Williams, Chris Rock, definitely many others, and I think something about that kind of um, uh, tension of, of of having this feeling like this world belongs to somebody else, and I'm just a visitor, and I'm I'm just uh, uh, like I can only I can only you know uh, uh, partially take what's mine, and that that whole tension is something that that that, that really spoke to me. Without even knowing anything about, you know, the the, the complex history of of, uh, of uh, you know uh, racial relationship uh, relationships in, in uh, racial relations in uh, America. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. And being able to kind of become fluent in their voice maybe helped you in the what you ended up doing because you're writing for other people's voice voices and having to become fluent in those things, whether it's for John Stewart kind of show or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, that kind of, uh, um, sensitivity is something that you do develop. I mean, I mean, uh, a, a, a lot of comedy, uh, has to do with, 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 uh, Raising the voice of of the voiceless and speaking for those that uh, can't speak for themselves and and uh, those that have not, you know, and so so I think that's you know part of the good in in comedy that that I think I try to be a part of. Yeah, I want to I want to talk speak to that specifically. It, obviously, really smart guy, very talented. And you've ended up in this way. Not that being a comedy writer is not the definition of success or something, but there are other things that you could have done. Why? Why do you keep sticking with this? What? What about this 
is uh, do you find meaningful and kind of you feel like is your unique contribution to the world for good? I, I think, again, great question. I think uh, comedy is not something that you choose. It chooses you. And I actually, I don't know how to not write comedy. Uh, that that's 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 great, but it's also very sad because you know sometimes, um, you know when when I when when uh, I don't have a particular project, but I still want to want to say what I have to say about the world. It can get very frustrating, but um, it's a very difficult career. It's a very difficult life, especially like it's it's uh, um, the the the. All the glamour that you imagine, like in 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 the in the comedy world in the states, it's very different in Israel. Uh, just last week, I was running late uh, to pick up my son from kindergarten, and the main the main uh, star of the TV show that I'm writing for gave me a ride to the kindergarten, and we picked up our son together. <laughs> so I think that gives you a picture of how <laughs> how. Um, of of the of the of the comedy and and uh, like uh, the celebrity world of Israel. Do you imagine one of the one one of the staff writers for uh, the Stephen Colbert show <laughs> having Stephen Colbert picking up a son of one of his writers? I think. I mean, maybe it happens, but uh, I think. Israel is quite unique in that. Yeah, yeah, I would guess that that isn't uh, the the tip of the case over on this on the Colbert show or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So when did that when did that uh, get birthed in you? That I mean, like when did you know? You said that you don't know how to not be a comedy writer. When did you know that? I mean, uh, do you remember specific moments where? You know, as a child, when you, in a sense, have to announce to whether it's your teacher, your guidance counselor, your parents, I want to be a uh, whatever. Uh, do you remember uh, announcing that this is what I have chosen? Mm. I think when I was 18, uh, which is quite late, I think, I, I uh, sent a few jokes with Errol to a newspaper and they published it with, with my name. And I'm like, so impressed that I started that I took a small notebook and I started writing sketch after sketch uh, and, and hoping to send it to to uh, a TV network and my career actually started very early I was only 20 years old when I started writing when I started writing for television um, and my second job was, was already writing for one of the main sketch shows in Israel at the time. So um, it actually happened quite quickly for me. I mean, there's many stories in Israel of, of like writers that try for years, and for me, just kind of happened really quickly. But of yeah. course, it also had its price because when you um, when you have to, for example, write uh, a, a set about politics without really understanding, because you don't know when when you're 20 years old, how much do you really know about life? Yeah, and so that kind of was 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 difficult. Um, but um, I actually I think because I, I'm, I come from a from a Russian Jewish Jewish home, I, and I don't know what it means for you guys, but 
Russian Jews are usually the people that you really have kind of a two career paths. You're either a doctor or you're a different kind of doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so for my family, they kind of like wanted me to go on some, something in the, not necessarily a doctor, but they actually wanted me to go into more science, computers, and actually was like going in that direction. But then I just, it's, um, it's not something that drives me. It's not something that I can actually be excited about. It's something I could potentially do. But once, once you actually spend some time um, writing and on a, on a, on a, in in a in a project in in the project, the kind of projects that I'm writing, you kind of you can't work around normal normal people after that because everybody I work with are insane. I really mean it. I love them. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're crazy, messed up people that really need help. And their only way of, of keeping themselves from getting that help is writing comedy. <laughs> so it's it's like, a, just imagine a, a mental institution of the funniest people in the world bringing their darkest, uh, uh, darkest in, 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 imaginations and ideas and you kind of you sit together in a room and you try to make out of it something that 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 will will not get the network sued 75 times <laughs> I that's yeah. my job you you mentioning being in the writer's room I mean I think there's a lot of like I, I picture that and obviously you're you're talking about how funny it is to be in there and the the kinds of people that you're working with and how much fun it is or how it's ruined you from being a normal person for the rest of your life. How much, how much of what you do just feels like just, it's just work. Like it's not fun. It's not glamorous. You're trying to meet deadlines and finish things versus how much of it is you, you know, laughing like crazy with people that you work with. Oh, I'm sorry if I gave you the wrong impression before. Nothing about it is glamorous. I sit in a, in a, in a horrible office and I and I and I stare at the blank page, and I need to feel write forty jokes for the next half an hour about Netanyahu's legal issues. <laughs> That's all I have to write about, and I have to write forty jokes for the left wing comedians and forty jokes for the right wing comedians. And while I take under and 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 especially now, it's actually even more difficult because we already have uh, Facebook. And Twitter and, and and all of that, so you have to kind of know what everybody just said, all the jokes that all the funny people said, and you can't say that, and you can't talk about what they talked about. You have to talk about the next thing. You have to talk about the the because already have like every, like for example now with uh, if if you look at what happened today in in Israel the politics when Netanyahu would would possibly be indicted of. Uh, uh, corruption, of, of, uh, um, and 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 some other things. I have to know exactly what, like many Facebook and Twitter personalities are saying, and then not say that because that's already been said and that's old. Mm-hmm. I have to find a fresh perspective in everything that happens while while trying to make it still uh, appealing for both uh, the left and the right. Does so, make sense? if you write forty jokes for the left and forty jokes for the right, and all of them are not derivative of some Twitter personality, 
how many of those are going to get used on air? If, if 10 of them are going to be used, I, it's, it's a great day. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. because uh, what often happens in, in those shows is that uh, like the show that, that I write for is a half an hour show. And to make that half an hour show, you have to film for about two to three hours. So there's wow. a lot of material that, that may be filmed that, that eventually will be edited out. Like some of the parts of me answering your question in, in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, for, uh, sorry if you've already said this, but when, how often does the show air? Once a week. Okay, so, so if you're writing at the pace that, that things are happening right now, there is a good chance that any joke that you write on Monday is completely buried by 50 layers of other things that have happened, you know, on Thursday. So do you, what, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? Are you, are you having to throw stuff away that you wrote earlier in the week or, or how's that process work? All the time, all the time. Just a few weeks ago, we had a, we, we had a nightmare week where, we started already um, developing the segments that you're going to write about. Um, and then everything in the political scene in Israel just kept changing. So we had, we basically wrote three different shows in one week. Yeah. Uh, because uh, in, in that same week, we had uh, Netanyahu announcing elections, then canceling the announcement of the elections, and then having to go to election for something completely different. So, it's uh, so, and and you have weeks like that. Even now, the the the, the um, politics in Israel are so crazy that it's not even entirely sure that the prime minister's potential indictment would be the biggest thing of the week. Even wow. So yeah. So uh, um, by the way, as as it is with. Trump right now. Are you familiar with the, with, with the guy by the name of Donald Trump? Is Sounds that- really <laughs> familiar. <laughs> yeah. So very similar in, in, in that respect. Yeah. Something major can happen and it gets... it. Something tomorrow completely eliminates it from conversation. Yeah. Tell us, Tolik, I, I want to hear a little bit about this sitcom that you're writing right now. What's What's the, what's the concept of the show? Well, I kind of took a few things from my own uh, biography. And so it's basically about somebody uh, who uh, immigrates to Israel from, from Russia. Uh, and uh, his parents keep promising him that they'll uh, immigrate with him. And he's, he's a teenager. And then eventually they stay back in Russia because they're having a baby. And he has to uh, live his teen years in Israel by himself. And as a, as a result, he becomes hateful of his own Russianness and kind of buries it and decides that he's completely Israeli, no, with no uh, sympathy for his like Russian uh, um, roots. And then 20 years later, when he's already married and with a kid, and knock on the door is his parents and, and a sister that he never really met, and now they come to live with them in their house. <laughs> There is something about the Russian culture that you don't don't let your parents live by themselves. Like you, you bring your parents in. That's kind of like um, deep in the culture. And I was kind of like playing with that 
because that's something that's really known about uh, Russian Jews in Israel. So is this, you know, is this something that's been, you know, in your heart for your, you know, for quite a while that it, you're finally getting the opportunity to, to express? I mean, is this kind of like a passion project that you've been sitting on for a while? Yes, yes, it's a passion project that we've, we've, uh, uh, me and my partner, we thought about uh, five years ago, actually, and only a year ago we had the network that greenlighted it now and and sent us to write. 10 episodes of it. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's been, yeah, but it's been uh, um, actually thought of and, and, and uh, we even wrote a sample episode uh, five years ago. Is the network, the network that picked, picked up the show that you're writing, is it, is it a big network? I mean, is it, is, are there going to be a lot of people in Israel that watch the show that you've written? Well, first of all, to answer the second question, I hope there will be a lot of people that watch this show, yes. Um, the network is kind of like the equivalent of a PBS in the States. Okay. So it's the, the public um, channel. Yeah. Still, though, I mean, is there, um, you know, are, are the options, at, like, what are the options uh, look like? In, in the culture over there, as far as like the, you know, number of networks and things like that. I mean, uh, you know, is, is Netflix, uh, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a global phenomenon at this time, but are they looking to do specific work in specific cultures? And Netflix, Netflix actually are buying Israeli shows uh, for, uh, for uh, I guess, not only for Israeli audience, and there, there are conversations that I heard about Netflix wanting to produce uh, original content in Israel, but I still, have, I still haven't seen it happen. Maybe it's, it's happening in other countries because you know the market here is, is still very small. I mean, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it will make sense for them eventually. Uh, but uh, as far as the, the 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 market in Israel, there's there's three. Main channels, the, the the one I mentioned, the PBS one is one of those, um, and there's also and, and on top of that there's also a cable, and then some other uh, kind of ca- cable uh, entities that um, are less popular but still create uh, original content. Yeah, so that's kind of like the 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 map of channels in Israel. I think in, in America, it's, it's much bigger and uh, developed. Well, there's too much. And so, I mean, I almost think that, you know, I mean, even just the example of when, when I was a lot younger, you know, there was just uh, basically you had your three networks, you had PBS and you had you know, Saturday morning cartoons, Saturday mornings, nothing was available at all times. And I just think that it makes, it makes the things that make it to me more, more unique and more special um, is because they don't get drowned out with, with everything else that's going on. So would you think that it's almost an advantage that the platform itself is, is a little bit smaller? Maybe. I think there's two sides to this, uh, to this story, definitely. Uh, I remember also a time when, 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 like, watching the show you love was an event. Now yes. it's like it's so easy and accessible. It's like nothing. Like it's it's. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think I, I still remember those magic times. 
when 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 uh, when I was in the in the remote village in Russia, and we all gather around the donkey, hoping that it will actually be connected to a TV set, and we would be able to watch our favorite show. <laughs> yeah, when when everything's always available, nothing feels special, I guess. And yeah. so uh, you're you're almost stripped of the of the gift of the environment itself and the setting itself. So you're, you know, now you can just watch on your phone sitting in traffic, whereas uh, it, it, that's, that's different than a family gathering around on a Thursday at eight o'clock to communally uh, watch a specific that something. So. That's true. But I have to say, I really love the fact that I was talking about our TVs being connected to a dime TV guys would just, let me no this, no, this, no 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 i laughed i laughed steve was probably connected to a donkey we, we, we believe that no i laughed steve kept going on with being serious i laughed <laughs> <laughs> um well as we as we start to wrap up um give us give us any recommendation right now um well for any of your audience that's, that's interested in, in writing, uh, one, one is called uh, Story by Robert McKee, um, and also another book called uh, uh, The Writer's Journey, uh, which is uh, a great book as well. Um, as far as TV, I think you guys are probably uh, um, experts also on, on uh, I mean, I know you, Joseph, are, are a great expert in, in television um so but we're actually watching it it's i mean a show called this is us which is a great show from the from the u.s right now do you cry in every episode of course yeah of course even before the episode begins yeah it's that's emotional pornography by the way this is us <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so uh, give us a couple of your uh, obscure hobbies. What, what, what do you do that that takes you away from comedy writing? Wow, um, this is the part where you realize I'm a very boring person. <laughs> so, uh, actually, <laughs> uh, well, actually, because because uh, I have uh, a two year old son and another one on the way, I don't get. A lot of uh, like t- t- like it's uh, time for uh, and I mean I don't want to say this is my hobby, but it kind of is. Um, I also I also do the ketogenic diet, and I, I haven't had a carb in the past half a year. Is that a hobby? <laughs> this <laughs> nothing but abs. Th- this is not a bit. You actually <laughs> are doing the keto diet. Um, I have nothing but. But abs that, that, that are hiding be, behind my sixty-five pound overweight body. <laughs> you need to stay funny, you know. You lose, you lose that. You lose your funny, right? Listen, it's known to happen. I've seen people lose weight and become unfunny. I'm I'm banking on that being that's true. Excuse, that's my excuse to stay morbidly obese <laughs> uh well hey the way we the way we end every episode is can you think of a time in your laugh that or in your life that you laughed the hardest 
It doesn't have to be a good story. It can be something from childhood. It it is just a time in your life that you laugh the hardest. Wow, a time in my life that I that I laugh the hardest. Well, for some reason we talked a lot about my immigration uh, uh, to Israel, and I remember you know for, um, for Jews that left Soviet Russia, we weren't allowed to bring. Anything basically, no earthly possessions, like uh, not money, not anything. So everything that we brought on us had to be on us, right? So basically, imagine a family of six people, and everybody is, is wearing seven layers of coats, fifty <laughs> layers of pants, five hats, three glasses, and we all kind of marching in, into into the summer of Israel, which like. You know, in like, like severe heat, <laughs> and we're still able to to walk. And you know, each of us is carrying like five suitcases, and we have three sets of shoes. And then, and then, when we arrive, my dad hands me a bag of three peaches, and I just collapse and fall. <laughs> and this is the time I remember that the entire family just was just laughing hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much.